Hello, hello, and welcome to the Mostly Soccer Podcast, part two of our Premier League preview extravaganza. My name is Michael Dalo, and today I'm here with Jimmy. Jimmy what today? Jimmy Deitch. Jimmy Deitch. Because, oh, because I'm doing the Burnley preview. <laughs> and I guess I'll be Mikey Hassenhuddle. Because I'm doing Southampton. Oh, I didn't even think that. Of course you were going to pick Hass. Of course you were going to pick Southampton when I said, which one do you want to do? Jimmy, you know I love Southampton. I knew the second it. you said the two we don't have are Southampton and Burnley, I was going to be doing Burnley. 100%. Uh, 100%. I despise Burnley. Yeah. Rightfully Spoiler so. alert. Rightfully so. <laughs> Rightfully I, have so. To give you, I have to give an elevator pitch on why you should select Burnley. Here's my elevator pitch for that. You shouldn't. <laughs> Harsh. Harsh oh, for the harsh. Burnley fans. I feel like that's rude. Well, We're you know gonna what? Get to it. I'm going to sell them. Don't worry. I'm going to sell Burnley. It's going to happen. Watch. All right. I was going to say, I couldn't find a damn Burnley fan on Twitter who could help us out. So I'm surprised that you're going to pose that's, as one tonight. They're too busy spending all their money to have to uh, have racist things fly over stadiums. Uh, we start on a sour note, Jimmy. <laughs> all right. Uh, but anyways, Jimmy, we have 10 teams left to go. And as a promise from last time, we said that we were going to start off with our friend Nate Scott from Fulham. We're not from Fulham. From Fulham. Nate Scott got a promotion. He's running Fulham now. <laughs> Scott Parker's out. Scott Parker is out. Nate Scott is in. Uh, but no, he is a Fulham do, fan. Can I say, though, not to interrupt you, I know you're doing your spiel, but Nate Scott does sound like he'd be a hell of a manager. Sounds he like a great manager name. He does. Like if, if like, it was like the promoted team... Here, promoted, Fulham's promoted with manager Nate Scott. You believe it. Scott Parker and Nate Scott are almost interchangeable names at this point. Uh, <laughs> some some people have said they've never seen both of them in the same room. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine that. Uh, but anyways, Jimmy, let's start it off with Fulham and Nate Scott. My name is Nate Scott. I'm the managing editor of USA Today Sports' is For the Win and the host of The Sneak, a true crime podcast put out by USA Today and Wondery. I have the honor, or curse I suppose, of supporting Fulham. Fulham are the oldest soccer club in London, founded in 1879, beating out those newbies Arsenal by a good 12 years. They only formed in 1891, so at that at least, we got them. We're back in the Premier League this year after winning the playoff final in the Championship, where we eked past Brentford at Wembley and got back to the Premier League. Speaking of being back, the last time we were up, two years ago, things did not go so well. We just fought our way to promotion, spent $100 million in the offseason transfer window, and then promptly lost like every single game and were relegated with the quickness. We're back though, and this time our owner Shad Khan and his son Tony, they also own the Jacksonville Jaguars, say they'll be doing things differently. For one, we aren't going to be spending $100 million again. This team will put its trust for the most part in the players we have. That includes striker Alexander Mitrovic, the Serbian beefy boy who's basically our entire attacking presence. Mitro has shown he can be elite when locked in and receiving good service, and they'll rely on him a lot again. The midfield is a mix of creativity and spine, though it's all a bit up in the air. See, when we were relegated, we loaned out a few of our big money acquisitions. And now they're back, maybe. No one really has any idea if they're going to play for us or not. These players include Jean-Michel Serri, a talented passing midfielder who every Fulham fan hates, and Andre Frank Zambo and Gisa, who only some Fulham fans hate. They struggled last time they were with us, but they're both clearly good, as Serri shined at Galatasaray last year, and Gisa did at Villarreal. If they play for us, well, no one really knows. The defense is an even bigger question mark, though, and that's what's freaking out Fulham fans at the moment. 
They got goals scored on them like crazy last time, and they haven't done too much to address the issues. For American fans, it does look like we might be starting two Yanks in the back with Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson. Robinson looks like the real deal and looks like he could thrive in the Premier League. Tim Ream didn't do so great last time. And he's back two years later, and I'm not exactly sure what's supposed to have changed. Let's just say I want DC United to sign Tim Ream for both DC United and Fulham's sake. Our manager is Scott Parker, the same Scott Parker who played for Tottenham a few years back and kind of looks like a World War II fighter pilot. Our finish will be somewhere between 12th and relegation, depending on if they can sign a center back who can actually play in the Premier League. Our team wears white, we play at Craven Cottage, and if you're in the mood for a scrap, you should join us. All right, thank you, Nate. Uh, I do want to add to his last little bit. They play in white, they play at Craven Cottage, and on the first game day, they will lose to Arsenal Football Club. The vastly superior Arsenal Football Club will put their foot on your throat. I've never been more confident in Fulham <laughs> in my life. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but thank you to Nate Scott. Uh, Mitrovic Hattrick. Mitrovic Hattrick may be incoming. And that's the first point that I actually want to touch on is Alexander Mitrovic. That man is omnipresent. I feel like <laughs> he's he's always been in the Premier League, but he's never in the Premier League. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. <laughs> because he's always owned by a Premier League team. And yeah. yet he's usually in the championship just tearing it up <laughs> over and over again. And that's exactly what he does, though. He tears it up. If he's on his game, if he can focus and not get himself thrown out, he's going to tear it up. Yeah, he. I think he will be a very solid player. I think this team, as Nate said, the concern is always the defense, especially after what happened last time. But yeah. I think when they came up last time, they attempted to play this free-flowing very ambitious style of play that works so well for them in the championship. And I think everybody knew just wasn't going to work when you play that, that, that naivete. That was it. Naivete. Naivete. That's what it was. But they, they were. They, they went out there recklessly and I think, in a lot of ways, and they set themselves up for failure. I don't think they're going to do it this time. I do think they have some very good players. Uh, we mentioned Mitrovic. We have Knockout on the team. The captain. Kearney. They're, they're good players on this team. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see Anthony Robinson. Um, I think he is a he's a true modern style fullback. Very attacking. Maybe lacks a little in defense. And I'm, I'm excited to see what he has to offer. I think this team can be a very a very fun team to watch. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just learned all I know about Fulham from Nate. Uh, I do know that they did sign a new goalkeeper, Ariola, from PSG on loan, mm-hmm. which is a, a Pretty big signing, I mean. Yeah, I mean, he, he was on loan at Real Madrid last season. Yeah, so. and rumored to be going to Leeds. I think Arsenal were in the mix for him at one point. So shouldn't be taken lightly that they've they've gotten themselves a supposedly great keeper. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I'm just excited. Scott Parker, from the last time he was in the Premier League, stunningly handsome. <laughs> dare I say, Mikel Arteta <laughs> handsome. Um, but I'm excited to watch them play. And Fulham have always been... A favorite of American fans because Clint Dempsey. They've had Brian McBride, Clint Dempsey. They've had a history of American players. Tim Ream, yeah, the next, <laughs> the great, the old player. man Tim. No, Ream. but Tim Ream's been very good for them when they were in the championship. He has shown <laughs> That's that the key. He, he he has been though. He's been very good at that level. Has struggled a bit when they uh, when they have gotten promoted. I tend to agree with Nate. I don't see how it's going to be that different this time. But uh, <laughs> I I think Fulham. I think they're going to be a fun team to have in the league. I'm, I'm happy to have them back. 
Yeah. Um, we know some Fulham fans, so, you know, I, I'm just excited to see them back so, where they belong. Question for you. He mentioned that the owner of Fulham owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. Who has a worse team, the Jaguars or Fulham? Jaguars. 100% the Jaguars. Good news for Fulham fans. <laughs> you, you're, the, you're not the worst team he owns. <laughs> All right. Major accomplishment. Well, Jimmy, where are we going to go next? Let's spin the wheel. And I'm turning the volume up so we so can, you hear can hear the, the applause. clapping this time. Let's hear it. We heard it sometimes. Oh. Guess. Oh, my guessing. <laughs> Just tell me. West Brom. Oh, West Brom. We're okay. going I'm... two promotion teams in a row. Yeah, and I, I wanted to learn a bit about West Brom. It's you... been a while since we've seen that. Do you know how much I know about West Brom? I know Tony Poulos used to manage them. That's <laughs> the extent of my knowledge on West Brom. Play the tape. Play, Play the, the tape. tape. We have Jordan from uh, West Brom America giving us his uh, preview. What's up, guys? This is Jordan with West Brom America giving you guys a quick Premier League preview for the Baggies' upcoming season. For those of you who are not familiar with the club, we date back to 1878, and we're an inaugural member of the Football League back in 1888. Our home ground is the Hawthorns. We began playing there in 1900, and that has been our permanent ground ever since. We have one top division title in 1920, five FA Cups, one Football League Cup, and two FA Charity Shields. Many of you who probably are avid Premier League viewers uh, remember West Brom as that really slow style, pewless Route 1 football, and I can promise you that West Brom is no longer that type of club. Since then, we have parted ways with Tony Pulis. We even had Alan Pardew in the middle there. Um, and we have landed on a permanent manager in Slavin Bilic, the former West Ham manager, as many of you know him as. He got us automatic promotion last season with a second-place finish on the final day, getting a really, really key result from Brentford. And we have been on the up-and-up ever since. Some really key players for us last season were Mateus Pereira, um, who we just signed to a permanent from Sporting Lisbon. We had Grady Diangana on loan from West Ham, who we just signed last week on a permanent as well. We had Phil Kravinovich, who is a loanee from Benefica, and we are really, really hoping that we can get him signed on a permanent this week. All of us are really, really hoping that. We have our own player in Semi Ajay, a defender that many of you probably do not know, but I can promise you he is a great, great defender with a pretty good attacking presence, especially on corners and headers. We are really, really in need of a striker at the moment. Uh, our current striker situation, we are left with Charlie Austin and Hal Robson Canoe. We just signed Callum Robinson who was loaned for us by Sheffield United on a five-year deal last season. And while he stands as more of a left winger, we are still really, really in need of some striker signing. We've heard rumors uh, from everything to Chelsea's Batshuayi, to Watford's Troy Deeney, likely both on loan deals. Uh, and we have a really, really great history of a club on loan deals with strikers. Um, we even had Lukaku back in the days. So we're really hoping that we can get someone great in there in the striker position. My prediction for this upcoming season is a 12th to 14th place. At the moment, 
we are kind of in a very, very similar spot as a club to the way, or our roster situation is rather, to the way we were last season. That said, we're really, really attacking football club. We likely also need to get in one more defender, uh, and we're just linked to a man in Russia. And if you are really, really unsure of who you are going to be supporting in the upcoming season, I can promise you that West Bromwich Albion is always a roller coaster as a supporter. Even in the season that we went down two years ago, um, we had our captains and Gareth Barry steal a taxi. Uh, in Barcelona, which was really pretty much the beginning of the end right there. Um, So even when times are bad, uh, there's always the up and downs that really keep you going as a club. Um, West Brom is a fantastic club uh, with a great fan, family-friendly fan base. Um, We really emphasize the Albion fan family in everything that we do. and we are certainly willing to take in new American supporters. So uh, thank you guys, and I really hope that we have a great season going and get a few more signings in. All right. Thank you, Jordan. I think Jordan did a great job, Jimmy. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I learned a lot about West Brom, and as he was doing his bit, I was looking through West Brom's lineup here, and mm-hmm. I'm seeing some familiar names, the first of which that struck me was the old Arsenal man, He's 30 years old now. Kieran Gibbs. This man is a throwback. I don't like how you mentioned his age such in a negative way, personally, <laughs> for a man who is not old at all. A young man. He's been around a while, but he's young still. 30 years old. 30 is <laughs> a new 20. Don't hate on Kieran Gibbs. I never, I never hated on him. I just, it seems like a long time since I've seen that name. Is all I was it is, saying. But you, you dismiss his age. You said he's thirty <laughs> years old, like he was like sixty. Now thirty years old is good. Aubameyang is thirty years old. He's like a great age for great people. It's true. It's true. Some people. Some people. Some people. Other people, not so much. Some people that do podcasts, not so much. Uh, they also have Ahmed Hagazi. Remember him, yes. the Egyptian defender. Yes, sir. They also have. He's been there. I think he's been through it all. I think he, he was has. There last time they went down, he was, and I, I think he started off the last time that West Brom were in the league. I think he started off very hot. Like I feel like yeah, he scored he a score goal. goals. He was like scoring goals to begin the season. Yep. He was a fantasy Premier League star. Yep, I, I feel like I remember that. And then we have Jake Livermore. Uh, I believe you said he was the club captain. Yes. Yeah. And then Matthias Pereira just sounds so familiar. Honestly, I could think the reason he's familiar. He's a guy who always gets like team of the weeks in FIFA. <laughs> I'm Probably. pretty sure that's what he is. Probably. And then um, something that we just learned was that West Brom signed Callum Robinson from mm-hmm. Sheffield, which I think is a fantastic move. Callum Robinson, we saw a good amount of him this year and. He looked pretty good. Yeah, he's a solid, relatively young player, 25. Not super young, but the player that can still, you know, hopefully give more than he's given, but a decent player. And uh, there's one thing that I hate about this team, though. What is that? It's a striker. They don't have one? No, it's Charlie Austin. Charlie Austin's good. It's the fact that out of Charlie Austin, nobody else is good. Charlie Austin is just... I don't. I just don't like his face. Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Austin also had one of like the greatest interviews of all time after one of the games when he was like bitching about VAR and everything. And I, I like him ever since then. But I also actually I've liked him since he was at QPR. I think he's a good striker. He's a very that's solid where he striker. was QPR. Oh my god, this is West Brom is truly a blast <laughs> from the past. Um, 
Slavin Bilic, though, I think that's interesting. I didn't even know who their manager was. I mean, I'll plead complete ignorance to West Brom, but I will say that I'm excited to see what they can do now that they're uh, supposedly no longer that slow, ugly kind of style. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to watch him play. As am I. I do want to say, and I don't want to. I don't want to spoil our next episode. I think his prediction of where they're going to finish is a bit ambitious. That's we looked at each other and said twelve to fourteen. We like, mm. Bit ambitious. It's a tough league. It's a tough league. This is a. It's a solid team. This does not strike me as a team that can safely finish in that area. I they maybe at the end they end there. I I'm not saying they're going to get relegated. That's for next week when we figure out what's going on. But I think that um, that they're going to probably be in a relegation battle for at least a portion of the season. Yeah, but um, an interesting choice if you're an American supporter. I mean, if you want a real underdog and you want to have some fun, you want uh, some criminals on the team, supposedly. People stealing taxis in Barcelona. <laughs> then uh, that Gareth Barry's be- not there anymore, which still shocks me that Gareth Barry would do that. He seems like such a nice gentleman. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our next one here. Spin the Wheel of Fortune. What's your guess, Jimmy? Who's it going to land on? Liverpool. We have another West. Oh, West Ham. Man. We go from West Brom to West Ham and cue the applause. So for West Ham, we have the folks that helped us out last year. We have the West Ham Way podcast helping us out. So let's hear from them. Hey, it's the West Ham Way USA boys. I'm your co-host, Tony, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And we are jumping in on the Mostly Soccer podcast. On the other side, we have Brawley. We're trying to do a little different here and get two people on here. Brawley in St. Louis. How you doing, man? I'm good. We're happy to do this for the Mostly Soccer guys. They seem like good guys. Yeah, we've got to try to get them on our pod soon. But uh, they decide to have us go through a few questions and um, give you all some brief history and what you might look forward to the West Ham season. So, you know, Brawley, have being a West Ham fan, we don't ask for Premier League success. But I would love an FA Cup. We haven't had one since 1980. Wouldn't that be nice this season? Yeah, well, a trophy in any form really would would do for us. I mean, I guess t- technically, if you're going off of trophies, our last our last one was winning the playoff final back in 2012. But our mm, our, our our real last trophy was, like you said, back in 1980 when we beat Arsenal in the FA Cup. But yeah, I would take a League Cup. I'd take an FA Cup. I'd take. I mean, I would take anything at this point. The club is so starved of trophies. It's uh, we're we're just dying for a cup run. And anything that's better than last season. How if you could sum up last season? If you could sum up last season in 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 ten words or less, how would you do it? Ten words or less. Oh my goodness, I don't think I can do that. But I'll sum up last season by saying it was an, an absolute. I almost swore there. I don't know if they could swear on their podcast, but it was not. <laughs> it was not a good season. Uh, Pellegrini sacked after what twenty odd games, and then we yep, yep. bring back David Moyes. Um, to be fair, on David Moyes, we did play really well after the lockdown period. Um, lost the first two, but came back strong after that, and um, had some really cool wins against Chelsea. I think we took ten combined points off of Chelsea and Man United last season, and without those ten points, I think mathematically we would have went down. So uh, it was a weird old season, uh, but not not a great one to be remembered in the West Ham fans. Minds. Yeah, it's one of those things is I will say for the season outlook, we have a lot to look forward to when it comes to momentum from how we ended last season as we were in a relegation battle and playing terribly. Uh, however, you know, we're talking about new players and prospects. There have been none. We actually lost players. 
Yeah, well, the only new signing technically you can throw in there is Tomas Suchek, but he was with us last season and was alone to a permanent view. And, we, and we've sold Grady Diangana. So our, our team has actually gotten worse since last season. We have lost a player since last season. So uh, we're the only club in the Premier League not to bring anyone else in. So we have no new faces in the summer window. Apparently, we will be bringing players in, but when that'll happen... God only knows. Uh, so, I mean, we are an absolute joke right now, and I don't think any, <laughs> any West Ham fan is looking forward to the season. This is the first season off of memory that I am not excited for at all whatsoever. It's very strange. I mean, I, I am really not looking forward to the Newcastle game on Saturday. I don't know about you, but I am, I am really, really, really nervous about this season. So the last part of this podcast, because I am not as well looking forward to Newcastle. I think we're going to get wrecked. But I, the Mostly Soccer Podcast guys asked us to do an elevator pitch on why a newcomer would support your club. Don't do and it. You did not do too well there. I would say that was probably the worst elevator pitch of all time. Our last five minutes joining their podcast of saying how we're a joke. Uh, it's sad, it's dismal, no signings, and we're not looking forward to the season. So if you could do one positive um, elevator pitch, 30 seconds or less so we can get this moving for the boys, how, how, what would you say would be a positive way to convince someone to join West Ham? Other than don't. I honestly wouldn't want to put someone through that at this point, but if I did have to do it, I would say – we're a London-based club. We're not in the top six every year, so it's not like you're hopping on the bandwagon. In fact, I would say it's the opposite of hopping on the bandwagon. Huh. You are joining us at, at our probably one of our worst moments, if not our worst moment. So uh, you're definitely not a glory hunter if you pick West Ham, I would say. And it shows something about your character if you choose West Ham, not, not jumping in on a glory hunter situation plastic fan. I think the best pitch you could ever give someone for being a West Ham fan is nothing that has to do with on the field. Uh, it's obviously not the stadium. Uh, it's people like you and me and our friends over in the UK that we've met on multiple trips. The great people that support West Ham are uh, the reason I picked the team. I obviously did not pick for success because there's not much there to look forward to. That's but it's pitch. one of the greatest. It's, not, it's one of the greatest clubs that uh, uh, in the world, and I'm just absolutely love my team. I love my friends, and I, I would say it's the corny West Ham family, but that, that's what it is, and that's what picked West Ham for me. Yeah, so go, go with that uh, pitch. So, Let's go with that pitch. Go with, go with my pitch. All right, well, signing off for the American uh, – oh, God, that was our old title, the West Ham Way USA podcast. Uh, I'm Tony in Harrisburg on the other side, Brawley. Thanks for having us, guys. Hours. All right, thank you to the West Ham Way podcast. That was – Electric. It was fantastic. I, I can't <laughs> stop laughing. I think that's the first group we've had come on and just say don't. Yeah, I, I respect it because we were looking at each other when they said uh, elevator pitch. We said they can't say anything. because yeah, they, so, yeah. they were so <laughs> negative the whole time. They're terrified of playing Newcastle. Absolutely terrified. They, oh, they're not looking forward to the season. And they just go, no, don't do it was the thing he said. I have a, a very good elevator pitch for West Ham fans. Do you like watching your football in the championship? Then you should be a West Ham oh God, supporter. That's, that's terrible. Wah, wah, that's wah. Terrible. I thought you were going to say, do you like bubbles? Do you like bubbles would be my next thing. That's actually, if we're doing a negative and a positive, then yes, they uh, they forever blow bubbles. That's their thing. They blow bubbles before a game. It's a it's a cool sight when you're back in the stadium. But um, I don't know. West Ham is a really tough sell. You want to talk about underachievers. 
Yeah. Uh, you, you talk about West Ham. Yeah, I do want to say, though, I have a couple things. One, don't like to let Pablo Zabaleta go. One, near and dear to my heart. Just keep him around. Just They got rid of their whole Man City listen, crew. They did, but listen to this. They, addition by subtraction. They got rid of two of the worst players in the Premier League, in my opinion. Roberto. Absolute trash goalie. Oh, that Uh, guy. That guy. Horrible. He's gone. And then even bigger than him. The worst player in the Premier League. A player I I hate. Can I guess? Go ahead. Uh, The Colombian defender, Sanchez. Yes, Senator Senator Defensive Carlos Sanchez, who is horrible. He is genuinely bad. He is bad. I would not (laughs) let him play with us playing in the backyard. He stinks. So that right there, you're better. You got rid of Roberto. You got rid of Carlos Sanchez. You're better. You don't have to bring anybody in. Well, you're let's a better team. let's actually try and pull some positives from this West Ham team. If you look at them on paper, they should not be even as close to as bad as they actually are. And let's start with the front line. They have Yarmolenko, former BVB player, mm-hmm. someone who I think when he's healthy and on the field, which has been he's rare, an awesome player, fantastic player. Mm-hmm. Felipe Anderson, same thing. Still there too. There was yeah. some rumors he was going to go back to Lazio, but he's still there. Uh, and I think the best player on their team actually is another attacker, uh, Mikel Antonio. Mm-hmm. I think Mikel he Antonio is, is all, he's great. Like, like weirdly good. He Save just has them. runs when he plays so well. Save them from relegation. Mm-hmm. And uh, he. the only thing with him is he's very hot and cold, it seems like. Yeah. So when he's on his form, he might score a hat trick three games in a row. But when he's not, yeah. you might not hear I his mean, name. There is a lot of like... Not big names, but like recognizable names. This team, mm. top to bottom, is recognizable names. You can go through them. Fabianski, Cresswell, Lanzini, Fornals, Wilshere. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. relatively big name players throughout top to bottom. Agabana. And Snodgrass. I mean. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? There, there's players everywhere. This team should be better than it is. Um, I think that these players, if they moved on, probably with decent players in other places, it just hasn't worked. I think they really need a big refresh. In some way, back to your point of like the championship, if they were to get demoted and had to move on a bunch of players because of their salaries, it might actually be better for this team long term. I think this could be like a lead situation where you, you see him go sudden, down. You don't see him come back up. Until I die. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see him come back up for a, a long time. So I'm I, not ready to write them off yet. Though. No, not neither as am I. As our friends were. Yeah. I, I think when you're on the inside and you're. It hurts more. Yeah, you're looking at everything going on. You see your team's not signing players. That's actually concerning that they haven't signed anyone. Very un-West Ham. Yeah, that's true. They've, they've been decent spenders over yeah, the past few windows. Yeah, very unlike them. But also, at that point, they were uh, finishing a lot higher in the table when they were doing those type of things. But yeah, narrowly escaped relegation this year. I have higher hopes for West Ham this year. I don't think they're going to be lingering around that relegation zone as much as they were last year. So uh, hopefully a better season for our West Ham friends that they can get excited about. But let's move on, Jimmy, and let's move to guess, 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 guess. Tottenham. Let's see. Oh, you were almost, you were so close, Jimmy. This is one that I'm actually excited to talk about. It's Everton. Ooh, I am too. I'm really excited. I'm, uh, Everton will like West Ham for me before. I was so down on Everton. I thought they stunk. I'm excited now to actually watch Everton play. I am too. They they sign a lot of big name players, but let's hear from Ethan, an associate of the American Toffee podcast, our good friends from there. So Ethan is going to give us some Everton insight. Hey guys, I'm Ethan, known on the Everton Twitter scene as the Penny Blue, here to give you a lowdown on Everton FC for the upcoming season. Before I start, I want to drop a plug for the guys at the American Toffee podcast. 
find them on Twitter or Instagram, and join their ever-growing community on Discord. Also, if you're looking for a good read on Everton-related content, check out my website at AmericanAcademyOfAnalysis.com and don't be afraid to give me a shout or a follow on Twitter. So talking about the history of the club, since 2013 when David Moyes left for uh, Manchester United after a good appointment from Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, Everton had a total of seven different managers and eight managerial changes. Uh, we finally landed on the soon-to-be Merseyside legend Carlo Ancelotti, who just came last year in the middle of December. Uh, since the Moyes era, uh, we also had the addition of Farhad Mershiri, um, the billionaire owner who dumped truckload of cash on uh, the likes of Omar Nias, uh, Sandra Ramirez, Yannick Lassi, Morgan Schneiderlin, Davy Klesson, uh, Gilfi Sigurdsson, the list goes on, but the embarrassment stands. Uh, needless to say, uh, we dug ourselves into a financial predicament with the financial fair play regulations uh, that we're still trying to avoid to this date. So a quick overview of last season. Uh, starting off the season with Marco Silva as our manager, coming off a strong finish the season prior, I'd be, saying, I'd be lying if I say that I wasn't cautiously optimistic in the team. Uh, we quickly found out, though, that two seasons would be way too long for Silva in the league with his absolutely stale and mind-numbing tactics. Uh, we dipped down into the relegation zone by match week 8 and stayed there until around match week 18, uh, when Silva this time has been uh, sacked for at least three matches and Duncan Ferguson took over as caretaker manager. Uh, on December 21st, though, the club announced the signing of the professor Carlo Ancelotti as the new manager of the Everton Football Club. Um, that day should probably go down in history and get its own holiday at the club also, but that's just my view. Uh, Carlo continued with the forward momentum that Duncan built on, though, um, starting off with a, a much-needed uh, and refreshing facelift to the team's tactics. Um, after a few games gone wrong with the tactics, uh, Carlo took his foot off the gas a little and settled into a more familiar uh, 4-4-2 for him, which just seemed to be out of necessity uh, and due to injuries and lack of personnel than actually him wanting to use the 4-4-2. Um, Everton made it into the, the COVID break at 12th place, um, but immediately after the break, uh, we had a run of a couple good results, albeit relatively poor individual performances, uh, giving us a, the hope that Everton uh, would make it into European competition uh, for this next season. And if there was anything that you learned from an Everton fan, it's the recently long-standing motto of it's the hope that kills, and it did. A completely lackluster and basically absent void of a midfield made us limp over the line almost at all the remaining games of the season, uh, ultimately landing us in the bottom half of the table, finishing in 12th. So for the Everton 2020-2021 season outlook, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but damn is there an excitement surrounding the club recently. With Everton, it's always the hope that kills, but with Ancelotti now having months of prep time with the players to get his tactics etched into their minds, it's hard not to be optimistic. This is probably the biggest talking point of the summer so far, but the triple signing of Allen, James Rodriguez, and Abdul Decore uh, completely revamp our midfield. And with these three, in my opinion, we have a team that's ready for European football. 
Uh, players that I would expect to be top performers at Everton this year include Richarlison, all three of the signings, uh, Alan, James, and Decore. Uh, Dean, as always, uh, Mina. Michael actually like this pick, but Awobi I could see having a good season. Uh, Michael Keane, and it hurts me to say this, but Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Uh, he's just not the type of uh, striker that Ancelotti normally works with, but nonetheless, I could see him having a good season. New prospects and players I expect to also jump on the scene at Everton uh, include Moise Keane. Not new to the scene, but uh, I would expect more game time and more goals to come from him. Another player that we expect a lot from is Niels Nkunku, the 19-year-old just joining the club two months ago, lighting it up in the preseason and looks ready for some first-team action. Lewis Gibson uh, is also another one. He's a 20-year-old center back, had an outstanding loan at Fleetwood Town last season and almost dragging them to promotion in League One with many clean sheets and good performances. And finally, Jared Branthwaite. Uh, the 18-year-old center back that broke into the Premier League spotlight at the end of the season after a few injuries resulted in a respectable amount of game time for them. Some players that worry me for inconsistency reasons for this next season are Bernard, Tom Davies, and Gilfie Sigurdsson. Gilfie Sigurdsson's getting up there on the advanced age range and is joined along by Seamus Coleman. And Seamus Coleman's understudy, John Joe Kenny, just is not up to the standard of the team and can see him going back on loan to Schalke. One name that I, no one would expect me to have on this list, but I do, is Mason Holgate. He's currently having a horrible preseason, and it seems to be that he's regressing to his old level of play. Hopefully he's able to kick on, though, and get back to the level of play that we saw last season and continue to develop. Finally, I have Pickford on this list to round it out. He's not the goalkeeper of the future for Everton, and I would expect him to be sold in the next two windows or so. I think we should all expect to see Ancelotti rotate the squad frequently this season and use a wide variety of lineups and tactical approaches. One thing the team has gained in heaps this summer is versatility, and I would imagine that the Professor Ancelotti is licking his lips at all the possibilities at his disposal. As for continued strengthening, I would like the club to continue to keep looking for another right back as neither of the current options really fit what Ancelotti expects from his fullbacks. Another right mid is also a possibility, but it's not really a necessity in my opinion. Uh, I would expect a, a big year from Everton this year. Ninth place would be the bare minimum for me this season, uh, and anything lower I would see as a failure to the club. But that being said, I fully expect Everton to finish in the top six, breaking into European competition for the following season. Finally, I would personally like Ancelotti to take the domestic cups a, a little more seriously, seeing us reach the final in at least one of them, and hopefully bring home some silverware. For the listeners of the Mostly Soccer Podcast that are looking for a new club to support or one to add to the radar of ones to watch, Everton is definitely one of those clubs. With the signing of James Rodriguez, the Everton board has definitely made a statement that they fully expect to grow the club internationally, and so far it seems to be paying off. Millions of new supporters are pouring into the Everton social media scene, and the impact of James alone seems to be so massive that even a tower in Colombia was lit up blue with his number cycling around it all night after his announcement at Everton. Everton are also known as being the people's club, and the club's commitment to the supporters and the community are beyond what any club in the Prem has been doing for decades. If there was ever a club that was on an upswing and near-sure bet to bring you joy to watch while having success and still valuing you as an individual, in my mind, it's undoubtedly Everton. Uh, don't come after me, though, if Everton that ever comes true in your life. Um, it's all part of the experience of being an Evertonian, and always remember to tape your expectations to the motto of, it's the hope that kills. I love it, Jimmy. I loved everything Ethan just said. It's the hope that kills. It's the hope that kills. Everton are just a shit arsenal. <laughs> are they not? I love Everton. Everton, 
I will say, and I think you can back me up on me saying this. I've had a lot of second clubs on this yeah. podcast. I love Brighton out Southampton. Yeah. Everton's my number two club. I think that's accurate. Love watching them play. I love the men in Blazers. I'm a big Roger Bennett fan. Um, he sold me on the club a little bit as a secondary. The American Toffee guys, uh, Alex and James, both fantastic. Um, but there's so much that I want to talk about with Everton. And before I forget it, before we get to the players and the coaching, uh, which is extremely exciting, I just want to say he mentioned that Everton are the people's club. Mm-hmm. And I will say that if you follow the American Toffee podcast, mm-hmm. you will see that Everton are the people's club. That's a big club. Mm-hmm. who have gotten two guys from America who started yeah. a podcast just like us, a much better one, might, might I add. But they've gotten them so involved where they have been able to go to games, meet yep. Tim Howard, a yep. legend of the club. So they have done so well to integrate their fans into the club. And yeah. I, I think it's a special, special I, club. I, I in think that that's regard. well said. I think that's very well said. I also think it's easy to like Everton strictly off the fact that if you don't like Liverpool... It's easy. That is also very true. I, I and it makes it easy <laughs> for people like us. Um, but also, I mean, generally, we I think we both have enjoyed watching Everton in the past. Last season, I think we were both were severely disappointed. They duped them. us. Yes, we had them. I think maybe breaking top four. I think you did. I don't think I went that far. I think I had them top six. I did have them top six. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got duped. <laughs> we, 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 we were bamboozled. We led astray. <laughs> um, they tricked us. Yeah, we were tricked. But that's and the snake oil salesman. You always I, said it. I, I told you that, man. <laughs> I told you, Marco Silva, he really is. He's a, he was a snake oil salesman. He was not the answer. Love Carlo Ancelotti. I think he's going to get this team on the right track. I do think top four is too ambitious. I do not expect them to be there i think he said ninth he said ninth the lowest and then he said top he said top six fully expects top fully except top six and he fighting for top four isn't that what he said basically maybe i think top six is him i i i don't i don't think everton finished top six i think they will finish seventh. it's very when he said that i looked at you and i just said it's very hard to finish top six now and it's not because everton don't have the players to do it because they do they have the coach to do it they have all the pieces. It's just there are so many good teams now. Consistency. Consistency is yeah. key. Everton have been inconsistent. Even when Ancelotti was there, they were somewhat inconsistent at times. Um, I think there's a lot. Again, again, with the pieces, there are pieces. Here. I love the signings in the midfield. Those are three players I really, really like. James Rodriguez, who I think, and I criticized him a little bit at Real Madrid and said that you know he never got the criticism like Gareth Bale gets. No even one gets criticism has, like and that. And even though he has contributed far less than he ever did, it also forced Di Maria out of the club, who yeah. was accomplished way more at uh, Madrid than Rodriguez ever did. But James, when he plays for Colombia, when you play, when he plays for a team that is based around him and lets him do what he has to do, he excels. I believe this Everton team is going to do that. I think he's going to have a very good season. DeCore is a player I've always really liked. Yeah, um, I've talked about him on this podcast a bunch. Allen is a very good player from Napoli. I've seen him play multiple times in Champions League against City. Just seeing Napoli play themselves in the Champions League, he's a good player. Um, I do want to touch on the one player he brought up is uh, someone he thinks will be out in two windows. Jordan Pickford. Jordan Pickford stinks. England's he's England's not Keppa. number one anymore. He's England's Keppa. Yeah, that's what he is. 
He's uh I want to talk about inconsistent. I want to talk about bamboozled. Yeah. We were all bamboozled <laughs> by Jordan Pickford. <laughs> that is 100% true. I mean, Pickford scares me. I, I don't hate their defense, but I definitely don't like it. I love Luka Dean. Who doesn't love Luka yeah. Dean? Uh, and then the rest of the defense I, is kind of... Uh, I know he's concerned. About, I, I, I do rate Holgate quite a bit. I like Holgate as a player. I think it's just the inconsistency. I don't understand that Everton defenders terrify me because I think of John Stones every time I Ugh. hear Everton defender. It, it shakes me to my core. Yeah. So when I look at Everton, I say they fix the midfield. I mean, that's a fantastic trio. One of the best in the league, right? I mean, just on paper. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen them play yet. Mm-hmm. On paper, should be one of the better midfields in the mm-hmm. league. Defensively, I'm worried for them. Yep. Up front, it's a weird one because they have Richarlson. Who's awesome. Who's very good. Barcelona's Richarlson. Listen, the, the whole Barcelona thing and Richarlson, what did they want? A hundred, they wanted to buy him for a hundred million. For him, I guess. Just an example of a, a club in shambles, Barcelona. And Everton, they should have taken the money and run. I really rate Richarlson. But you I, don't, though. You always <laughs> bet anti-Richarlson. You're one of the people. No, I'm not. You, no, you, I'm not. I rate him as a $40 million player. See, that's wrong. He is much better. 40 million is too high. You're he's right. much he's much better. He's not Alex Wobi. He, he, he's a very good player. I'm also Calvert Lewin's weird to me. I I spent so much time talking about how I don't get him. I just don't see what yeah. he's good at. Um <laughs> But he is he's, he's good sometimes. Been, he's decent. He's just he's just decent. He's um, been good under yeah. Ancelotti. Moise Ken was the biggest disappointment for me of last season. I hope he does get to play and I hope he can be the player I think he can be. I think they need him to be. I think they need Someone besides Rich Hollison to rely on. And Calvert Lewin got them that mo- a bit last season. But they need they need reliability. Um, I think they should have moved on from Gilfie. I, I just think I love he, Gilfie. I think Gilfie was so bad last season. He was horrible. He was really bad. But I love bad. him regardless. Um, and like I said, he's still a vice captain of the team. I think he's still going to at times be involved. I think sometimes it's almost better to just get him away and move on from certain players that you're going to be stuck playing that probably shouldn't play. Yeah. Because, I mean, in their midfield, you still have Andre Gomes. You have Gabamon. John Philippe. Just call him John Philippe. all of last season trying to learn how to pronounce his name. You have Tom Davies. You have decent players there. I just think that Gilfie's kind of far down. He may be useful to bring on... Always a threat from set pieces. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I, I do question, I think they need some consistency getting goals. Yeah. But I am excited with the midfield. I think this team can be a very fun team to watch. Yeah. And and when you have Carlo Ancelotti as your manager, I mean, Sky should be the limit. Sky should be the limit. Uh, I think he's going to turn this team around. And I'm excited to watch them play. I'm going to say this, though, Jimmy. Two keys for Everton. They need someone other than Richarlson to show up up front, mm-hmm. whether that be Dominic Calvert-Lewin or Moise Keane. Or Awobi. That's my second Theo point. Theo Walcott. Bernard. Theo Walcott's still on that team. My God, I forgot. Um, my Chen second Tosin. point. Yeah, oh God. He's gone. Crystal Palace. Is he? Is he officially gone? I, I don't know if it was alone or they officially He was alone. Him. I think he's back. I think he's actually there right I now. I hope for Everton's sake, Chenk Tosin is gone. But my second point where Everton could be more of a success than we currently think they're going to be, is if Alex Awobi shows up. Because I rate Alex Awobi very highly, not because I am a homer and an Arsenal fan, but because Alex Awobi, I've seen what he can do, and I think he's an excellent player. They spent the money on him. They spent maybe a little too much money on him. Quite a bit too much. Well, young player, uh, a lot of promise. Not that young. <laughs> a lot of promise. 
And uh, I think if they can get him going in that left-wing position, feeding the ball into the strikers, whoever that may be, I think that will be a key to their success. Yeah, I mean, Awobi is a player we both like. Um, he's the king of the one-too-many touch, oh. is Alex Awobi's uh, dilemma. Um, the potential, <laughs> he's got, he, he can be a good player. He's Honest a very day, good player. He can be a good player. I do hope he can show up because they did pay quite a hefty fee to bring him there. So I, I'd hope we see more this season than we did last season. Maybe he has a, a manager now who will breed him to, to live his full potential. Breed him. Breed him. I don't know. Um, but anyways, I'm excited to watch Everton. I always am. My second club. A strong recommend to go listen to the American Toffee podcast. Thank you so much, Ethan for your review and uh we will move on to the next club here which will be jimmy if you had to guess i'm just gonna pick spurs again it's a good strategy it's a good strategy oh we almost went to the other side of liverpool and did liverpool but we landed on leicester city so this one i don't know what this preview is going to hold for us because i was contacted by a man on twitter called the soccer noob who, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. He's a creative writer. Yes, we've dealt with the soccer noob occasionally. <laughs> he's <laughs> the, funny. He's funny. The uh, the league of, do you remember? When the, the Isle of Sodor, yes, Premier League. Yes. Uh, unforgettable. I guess he's done a good job because we remember that from a fair time ago. But um, he did something for us for Leicester. And he said that it may be 80% false in fiction. I'm intrigued. I do want to say that this shows that we're genuine, that we're doing this live. We're reacting to what we're being told. Yes. So, God, if somebody says something terrible, we apologize in advance. (laughs) All right. Well, let's hear from the soccer noob. For the Mostly Soccer Podcast, and here with your Leicester City preview, this is Soccer Noob. I am, in fact, Noob, the head writer, creator for SoccerNoob.com, and co-host of the soon-to-be podcast Soccer Noob Rocket America with Don Dixon. Uh, this take is going to be sponsored by the Isle of Sodor Premier League, for which I am the sole international journo. The Isle of Sodor Premier League. Soccer so unbelievable, you won't believe it. Hey, they're working on it. A little history about Leicester FC. Well, first of all, history for me. I've chosen them because the first year I started following soccer, really, was the year that they won the Premier League at 5,000 to 1 odds. Talk about your once in many, 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 many lifetime occurrences, which is really, really good for a club like that because they had only been in existence for seven years prior to winning the league. Oh, wait, no, I'm getting my earpiece. That's not accurate. Well, we're still going to move on, and they've also won the uh, FA Cup four times. Good for them. A little recap of their 2019-2020 season. They finished, they flirted, rather, with a top four finish and a Champions League appearance, but only finished fifth. This will be their first appearance in the Europa League group stage where they will get to start. Good for them. A great reason to follow them. Their season outlook for this year, uh, the one big transfer move they seemed to make was by picking up a uh, right back from Atalanta of Serie A, Timothy Castagne. I'm going to assume it's pronounced that way as I believe he is Belgian. He is a right back and what is more exciting than picking up a defensive player as your sole giant move for the season. Um, let's see, why should you follow Leicester City for this season? Well, let's face it, this is the last year that probably for a while that they're going to be competing for a European competition of any kind because Jamie Vardy 
their one real superstar player turns 33 this year and he's got to be on you know in the decline after the you know after this year probably be moving to mls which would make sense because i've read that they're planning on making a hollywood movie out of the 2015-16 season in which lester won the premier league and that it's going to be centered on jamie vardy rumor has it that idris elba or rick moranis will be the most likely people to play the role of jamie vardy of course that rumor is started by me and may or may not have anything to do with it so why should you root for Leicester City this year beyond that it's the last chance that they might have a shot at winning much of anything? Uh, they are the Foxes. And being from Britain, I can only assume that they are named for Samantha Fox. I have also heard that they are going to be changing their official theme song for the club to uh, her 1980-something hit, uh, Touch Me, parentheses, I Want to Feel Your Body, end parentheses should be super. Um, you'll want to watch them in the Europa League. Here's to hoping that they can do better than other first-time group stage entrants, uh, Sabaspor and Antwerp of Turkey and Belgium, respectively. And finally, last but not least, good on them for not accepting a bid to have a front-of-shirt sponsor from helicopter manufacturer August Westland. Oh, wait, I'm getting it in my earpiece that it's too soon to make that joke. Okay, well, maybe next year. So, for mostly... Talking Soccer Podcast. This is Soccer Noobs signing off. All right. Thank you to Soccer Noob for that review. And let's just say. <laughs> the helicopter. The helicopter joke was a low blow. It was It was a bit. It, you know, it was too soon. It was definitely too soon. But let's just say if we're giving an honest reaction. It was funny. It was funny. And we laughed about it for we, a good while laugh. before we started we, I recording. I think we froze for a second and then we laughed when we quite realized exactly what had happened. We pondered. We pondered cutting it. We did. We ultimately came to the decision that the soccer noob, he wants it in. We got to leave him raw and unfiltered. We got, <laughs> and it was, it, it was a good one too soon. But soccer noob, thank you so much for your uh, preview. Creative preview. Creative preview for sure. And we nailed the Isle of Sodor. We did. We pulled it back. We knew it. <laughs> Which was the official sponsor Shows of this review. how accurate it is. It's effective, I guess, that it is. We remembered it from like over a year ago. Yeah. Uh, a very good creative writer, yeah. the I soccer so. noob. But uh, anyways, Jimmy, let's talk a little bit about Lester. He made some good points about Lester that I hadn't thought about mm-hmm. before the start of the season. And that is potentially that this may be the last year that Leicester City are really in contention for that top four, six area places yep. for Europe. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a valid point. I am. Um, we you also talked about the lack of signings. I want to say that Timothy Castagni, however you want to pronounce it, is an excellent signing in my opinion. Saw him play for Atalanta. Very attacking, skillful, right back, wing back, which they need because I think we saw how much they were impacted by the injury to Ricardo Pereira. Yeah. Um, it, it just changed their season in a lot of ways. Um, and this is kind of where I want to go to where we are saying about like them competing, the last chance. Obviously, Jamie Vardy getting older. Um, I also, some of these players I think may move on depending on, like if you look at players like Tillman, Sainichu, I think they may get offers, you know, in the next year or so to move on. Um, same with James Madison. Oyuz yeah. Perez, certain players, they may get a chance to move on. So it will be interesting to see if they can keep it together in Didi as well, a player I really like. Um, I do question the lack of reinforcements, specifically the center back position. When Soinichu was suspended, we saw Wes Morgan out there. Um, 
rough. It was really, really bad. And Johnny Evans isn't a good Johnny partner. Evans is solid play. He's you know, a really solid center back. Not a huge fan. I like Johnny Evans. I think he's really, really solid. Um, I just, outside of him and Sinichu, they have n- no cover. And they can't They can't plan on them playing every game. And who do they have at left back now that they've sold Ben Chilwell? Um, the, there was a young player who started playing. I, I don't want to get his name wrong. He he played at the end of the season when Chilwell was injured. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I will find his name. But is it James Justin? Or was he the center back? I'm not sure. But I, I um, know, obviously, they got a hefty sum for Chilwell, and uh, he's moved on to Chelsea since then. But Leicester have a lot of very exciting players. You mentioned Jamie Vardy, Ayosi Perez, James Madison, who was hurt for a large portion uh, of Leicester City's season, a huge player for them. So there's a lot to be excited about with this team. I don't know if this will be the last of Leicester City this year. We, we did say that it's getting tougher and tougher to compete for these top six European places. Mm-hmm. But I think Leicester City have shown that they're in that pack now. And Brendan Rodgers... It's Luke Thomas, by the way. Luke That's Thomas. Close. Luke not, Ryan. Not close. <laughs> but um, they've shown that they're contenders. And Brendan Rodgers is a manager who is at the level that they need him to be. They, he can keep them in that spot, I think. I do too. I do the one Brendan Rodgers thing that came up in some reviews at the end of their season, and I think it's an accurate thing because it's something that was a concern at Liverpool. We saw when they crashed out 2014, is his teams tend to start su- supremely well, and then start to kind of peter peter out, peter out at the end of the season, um, and start to kind of they burn themselves out because yeah. he's such a high energy, even in practice type of manager. That I think he almost burns the players out sometimes, and I wonder if that's what happened last season. I'm a little worried about that. Um, I, I question again the without having the de- defensive reinforcements trying to compete in Europe. I think it's going to be really hard and really taxing on them. And I'm a little worried about them. I, I tend to agree with our our friend the soccer noob that uh, this could be not the last hurrah, but I, I don't think that they're going to be challenging for top six. After the season, I don't know if they even will this season. They may be around it, but when I look at the other teams, your historic teams, and you look at the teams like Wolves and Everton that are also trying to push in there, and I almost think Leicester's below them right now. It's difficult because we saw Leicester City start as the 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 second runner for the title at the beginning of last season, so it's not like they've all of a sudden lost a bunch of players and can't compete anymore. I mean, this is almost the identical Leicester City team. I I think it's just a a growing pain of getting used to Brendan Rodgers. And I think they do need reinforcements. I'm not convinced they're going to drop out, though. Yeah, well, one thing I would say is I think standing still is essentially moving backwards. That's profound. (laughs) That's profound, Jimmy. I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to say anything else. Standing still is essentially moving. Kalechi and Nacho did kind of step up at the end of the season. That's true. He did. That's my boy. The answer to Jamie Vardy's potential departure. But uh, Leicester City, I mean, if you became a fan around that time period, like Soccer Noob said he did, I don't know how you didn't fall in love with this sport with the 5,000 to 1 odd underdog winning the league. Yeah. And then, I mean, and then they've given you, they had that. The Champions the League over Sevilla in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. I believe it's Sevilla. I'm pretty sure it was. It was, it was one of the. I think Spanish they teams. ended up losing to Atletico Madrid. Yeah, or it was one of the Spanish teams that yeah. they knocked out. Um, and now they have a chance a chance for a European run again. They obviously had the 
they were fighting for top four last season. It's been an exciting ride. Yeah, definitely. But let's move on, Jimmy. We have one, two, three, four, five teams left. Who do you think is coming up? Spurs. I'm going to be right eventually. No. This is your review, Jimmy. It's time for Burnley. Burnley. Burnley, Burnley, Burnley. No, they're on the wheel. So I've been tasked with doing Burnley. I will preface this by saying I don't know that much about Burnley. I'm going to give you a brief history of Burnley, which is that I can say they were founded in 1882, uh, and they were one of the first clubs to become professional in 1883. You'd never know it. By putting pressure on the Football Association to prevent players payment of players. So they were fighting for the players to get paid, oh. which is not something you really think of Burnley in terms of paying players. <laughs> Quite frankly, that's actually been one of the concerns with, you know, Sean Deitch, I think it's kind of been, you know, telling the club we need to get some more spending. Um, they entered the FA Cup the first time in 1885 through 86, and they were one of the 12 founding members of the Football League in 1888. Um, so that's the brief history of Burnley. In, in more recent times, Burnley came up, uh, let's say maybe five years ago now. Um, I, I want to say that they were promoted. That Yeah, they were promoted after the 15-16 season. So they've been in the league four years now. Um, consistent, you know, they were 16th the first year. Then they got up to 7th three years ago. Had that rough year two years ago and then bounced back to 10th last season. Sean Dyche, uh, probably the most famous member on Burnley is the manager, Sean Dyche. Um, uh, <laughs> English, Diego Simeone. Yes. Um, an interesting character. To say the least. Uh, but a good manager. A very solid, good manager. Um, he's done good things there with not a big budget, with not the most talented team. Burnley are a team that just you don't want to play against. It's not enjoyable to play Burnley. Lunch pail guys. Yes, a team of lunch pail guys. They fight for every game. They make it difficult. They have the bad man up top, Ashley Barnes, um, who has continued to be reliable for them and has found ways to score goals over and over and over again. Um, They're just a consistent team. They do have, and I think anybody who looks at Burnley now, I think is kind of drawn to Dwight McNeil. Their young player who's been, you know, he's right now on the fringes of the England team. Um, he's been linked with a lot of moves to big top teams in the Premier League. I think he probably will eventually get one. He's an exciting player. And Burnley needs a little bit of excitement and attack. Um, if you look at his stats, they're not that impressive on the season. But again, you have to keep in mind that it's in this Burnley team that's not exactly going out there trying to attack. I think we could have see a good season from him if he's given the opportunity. I still think the numbers in the end may not be that impressive. But I think it's more important to watch how he plays and what he can help create for them. I've seen him play against City multiple times. He's a very, very solid good player. player. Yeah. Uh, I like him as a player. Um, I just think that they lack elite level talent pretty much anywhere on the field. Um, they just, you know what I mean? They're just very mid table. Yeah. They're they're That's exactly what they are. They're, they're exactly what you expect them to be. Like you said, lunch pail guys, they have decent players. Um, I mean, Tarkowski is a player I really like. I like Ben I, I Me as well. Ben Me is a solid player as well. In goal is their their star, Nick Pope. Who yeah. You know, I think is one of the best goalkeepers in the league. I, I think he's excellent. Um, it shocks me that Chelsea didn't do anything they could to get him in. Um, but they're just a solid team. Jay Rodriguez is a player we've always liked. He's 
dealt with injuries, come back. Um, they're just there's some solid players there. I just there's nothing great. You know what I mean? Outside of Nick Pope, Nick Pope's great, but outside yeah. of him, there's not really. It may be potentially Dwight McNeil. There's not much else there, but they're very very solid. And the big thing is consistent. Yeah, they run the same players out there again and again and again. They know how they play. They know how Sean Dyche expects them to play. And they make it difficult for you. And I think they're going to do that again. I don't think that they're... I think they're going to... I don't want to say they're going to fall off to like relegation battle. But I think, you know... I don't think they're going to finish as high as 10 this year. I think they're going to struggle a little bit more this season. Uh, they really haven't made any moves. Um, if you If you look at their signings... Right now, they've brought in some a decent amount of players, but no one really of note. Um, you've seen Joe Hart leave, which, again, is not really a big deal. wasn't <laughs> playing. Um, but you saw Aaron Lennon, Jeff Hendricks. Some players you know who you recognize who have left. But, and again, the players coming in haven't really made a big difference as far as I'm aware of them. Not names that stick out to me. I just think Burnley will be decent. Yeah. They will just be a decent team. They will be hard to play against. Never are you going to seek out watching a Burnley game. Mid-table obscurity. That's I think that's the goal. Burnley. That is the goal every season. Yep. I think this season may they may drop just a little bit below that, but in the end, I think they'll safely finish out of the relegation zone. Yeah. Uh, my elevator pitch for Burnley is just this. If you like just a hard-nosed, pain-in-the-ass team, if you like being a thorn in people's side, if you like being <laughs> a heel, Burnley is the team for you. And they're the underdog. If you like rooting routinely for the underdog and an underdog that's going to fight and is not going to be afraid, um, I think Burnley are that team. If you like Atletico Madrid, Burnley are your 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 broke bitch Atletico <laughs> Madrid. So I um that's my pitch. If you like fighting, you like lunch pail guys, this is your team. Yeah. Yeah, I think Burnley are a team of guys who if you were going to a bar and you wanted to start a fight, you'd bring, you'd you bring, bring that starting there. 11. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's a fair... Uh, summation of Burnley I think hard-nosed lunch pail guys that's what I think about when I think of Burnley I also think about Sean Deitch his relentless complaining about referees uh everyone on the opposing team flops to Sean Deitch so you got to take that hard-nosed mentality with a little bit of uh you're a whiny little baby so if you're that kind of person you might like Burnley or if you're a racist (laughs) I'm sorry I I they don't deserve for this to be forgotten, that they're fans. It's true. I know it's not Burnley's fault, but Burnley fans, you did this. You have to own it forever now. Yeah, actually, we did say at the beginning of the podcast, there aren't many reasons you should become a Burnley fan. And if you look in the comments section of some of Burnley's... Uh, the, the reaction when it, this happened. Yeah. Um, it, it makes it hard. In it's way dismal. To, yeah. And, and just embarrassing for the club. But obviously, small section of fans doesn't represent the entire club. Burnley, um, still an interesting option if you're a newcomer yeah. to the Premier League. Yep. And Ben Mee's reaction to that. The whole team you. handled it very, very well. Very well. Um, so I'm not excited for Burnley. I'm not counting on them to be out of the Premier League either. So yeah, fair. let's spin the wheel, Jimmy. Good job on your Burnley preview there. I know yeah, that's a me, tough Massive one. Burnley knowledge. <laughs> Jimmy, The that is the complete opposite of Manchester City is Burnley. <laughs> So, oh, speaking of Manchester City, their number one rival right now, Liverpool, has just been selected. So we have Jared from the Can I Kick It pod 
to give us his preview for his beloved Liverpool. So here we go, Jared. Hey everyone, this is Jared with the uh, Can I Kick It podcast. I hope everyone's good. So my job is here is to sell you on Liverpool. (laughs) Um, Listen, last year Liverpool finished in first place. Champions of England, uh, champions of the world, champions of the... They won some other uh, some other trophy that a lot of people will tell you isn't important. Don't believe them. Don't listen to them. Um, so best team in the world. But um, listen, it's a club steeped in history. It's it's a beautiful sight to watch a game at Anfield when when there's fans there. Unfortunately, that's not the reality of the situation right now. Um, but yeah, I mean. If I was, I got into soccer in 2013, 2014, I think it was, and I, I fell in love watching Liverpool. I had no intentions of doing so, but um, as for this season, I would expect Liverpool to finish definitely top three, probably top two, um, challenging for a title. I think they still have that ability. Um, you know, they, they, they played so well last season. They'd only lost one game of the entire season prior to the world sort of shutting down and throwing things out of whack. Um, but I, I think they're due to regress from that a little bit. But they could, they could still win the title. I think they still might actually win the title. Um, they don't really have too many new players coming in yet. They have um, Thiago, hopefully, you know, one of the best midfielders in the world, hopefully coming in. Uh, he's linked to Liverpool on a daily basis. But um, as of now, they don't really have any new players other than a backup left back. But they play such an exciting brand soccer um they attack 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 and they can withstand anybody attacking them it's really cool to watch a team that's entirely in sync um i think that's the best thing i could say about them is that they just always seem to be like they they always seem to feel like they're totally in sync and they know what everybody else is gonna do and i think that's something that's really cool and unique about the club so listen come out there support liverpool this is going to be back after going 30 straight years of not winning a title. We're going back to back and up the mighty reds. Okay, Jimmy, that was Jared from the Can I Kick It <laughs> podcast and ASMR smooth jazz radio. Uh, thank you to Jared for his sensual, sensual review of Liverpool Football Club. So I like a lot of what Jared said, except from the beginning where he was touting Liverpool as the best club in the world, uh, steeped in history. You know, Jimmy, I don't want to get off on the wrong foot with Jared. You know I don't like Liverpool. You know that whoever did this review... We were going to bash him. We were going to bash him a little bit. So, Jared, we set you up. We trapped you a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're very thankful that you did it, and uh, it was great. But Liverpool is a tough sell for me. And I think it's a tough sell for you being a Manchester City fan. So before we get into why we think that, let's focus on the positives of what Jared said. Mm -hmm. And it's Jurgen Klopp. It's that brand of football that they play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't say what you will about Liverpool. And you and I have spent many of hours now. Saying what we will about Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So um, they're a fantastic team. Fantastic players. Jurgen Klopp is an exceptional manager. A style of play that is the envy of many teams. 
a style of play very few have been able to truly replicate and have the success that Klopp has had with it. Um, they, the way they go at teams. They go at you. They attack you. They make it uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Just as uncomfortable as that sensual review. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> but they, you know what I mean? They make, it, they make it, you feel just, you feel the tension when you play them. Definitely. Um, and that's what they succeeded. That combined with having exceptional players. I mean, some of the best in the world play for Liverpool. Yes. If, if you're into watching some of the best players in the world, uh, Virgil van Dijk, Sadio Mane, Mo Salah, Allison, Allison Roberto Firmino, I would even throw I, up there. I would not. No, that's still... I some of the better players. I don't, I don't get the Firmino thing. I don't get it. I don't think he's good. I don't get Wijnaldum? it. Wijnaldum? Wijnaldum's all... I love yeah. Wijnaldum. You were the one who hates Wijnaldum. You I hated him at the beginning of the season. Yes, I also hated Jordan Henderson. I will stand by my Roberto Firmino is like the most overrated player in the world. Well, but that's my opinion. Uh, whether he that's may be or opinion. not, <laughs> whether he may be the world's most overrated player or not, um, for all the reasons just mentioned, some of the best players, the best style potentially in the world, uh, and Jurgen Klopp. I mean, what a lovable manager. Maybe I know that you mm. don't like him, mm, but even I, as Opposition of Liverpool. I am a fan of he's, Jurgen Klopp. He's Sean Dyche's level of whiny, though. He can be. We can all be. We can all be Sean Dyche at some point. I guess. I just think he he gets away with it because he's like I genuinely think as a person, he he seems like an awesome guy. Very charming. He's like yeah, he's a charming camera. guy. He's a schmoozer. He schmoozes you. You know what I mean? He's like he sounds schmoozer. like he'd be like a really fun guy to talk to and hang out with and like pick his brain. Awesome. Yeah. But uh, he he gets away with. Shit that other managers get criticized for in terms of saying other things. True, true. Um, another reason why you might want to support Liverpool is because they have roots in America. Their they owners, got root. Questlove, is they got root. roots. Um, their owners own the Boston Red Sox, Fenway Sports Group. They do. Uh, so we should probably be Liverpool fans, but that could never be us. Yeah. We could never. Well, I could never enjoy life and uh, win trophies. That. Oh, actually, never mind. Arsenal win many trophies. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like if you're an American fan looking for a new club. Mm-hmm. Liverpool, obviously, are the top dogs right now. Yeah. So I think it's difficult for someone like myself to, if I were new, join that bandwagon. Because that's what you'd be doing right yep. now. I, 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 the thing is, this, if you just care about watching the team play, seeing great players, watching a fun style, see, having a cool manager, it's the right team for you. I would caution if you. If you're a piece of shit, you I might like I would caution you to be want to be part of that fan base online at least. Ugh. It is a toxic fan base online. Truly, I do. That is actually my I my 100%. dislike for Liverpool. This my dislike is rooted in their fans. Hundred percent. Not in the club. We say a lot of stupid stuff. We do. No one comes at us like Liverpool fans do. They yeah they they every player on Liverpool is the best player. hundred percent. Is one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. Navigate is horrific. <laughs> Let's put that on tape. Navigate is horrific. But the man who barely can get on the field is, they will tell you he's incredible. Yeah. When he gets on the field, he co- completes a pass. <laughs> he just completes a pass. It's, oh my God, Navigate tearing defense apart, picking everything. Like, it's like, <laughs> this guy can't play over James Milner. Yeah. And like, if you, like, 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 what are you talking about here? So if you criticize anyone who plays for Liverpool, anyone who supports Liverpool, if you criticize a blade of grass on the Anfield pitch, there will be pitchforks at your door. You'll you'll have to throw away your phone, delete your Twitter account. Because Liverpool fans, they are loud, they are proud, and they are fucking obnoxious. But you know what? Some people like that. 
Some people <laughs> do like being part of, you know, some people like being the bad guys. Yeah. They like supporting like the, the bullies. Some people do. <laughs> So if you're if a you're, bully, if you're into that, that's your team. I don't, I, and I'm not meaning this to be mean. I genuinely mean like, like for example, like I'm a Patriots fan. People hate the Patriots, it's so true. I enjoy, I revel in how much they hate us. It's true. So that's probably how Liverpool fans feel right now. So I mean, if you're into that, that may be the team for you. And if you're into ASMR, <laughs> then you Jared's your guy. your guy. You got your guy right here. <laughs> uh, but no, in all seriousness. It's impossible not to respect Liverpool as a club. Their, their players seem like genuinely nice guys. Love Sadio Mane as a person. Mm-hmm. Seems like an awesome human being. Except Andy Robertson. Fuck that guy. Andy Robertson stinks. He's no, but he's like he's not. He's like he's a, he just seems like a kind of a scumbag. Yeah, shit, Karen Tierney, uh, <laughs> second best left back for Scotland. Sad, sad that he would actually be that. But um, anyways, Liverpool Football Club, an interesting choice if you're an American supporter. Not one that we would condone or support due to our biases. But, uh, I mean, that hasn't stopped anyone. I think Jared did a good job explaining it. He did. So he gave you a reason, and then we bashed him because (laughs) we're going to bash Liverpool. If if you listened to us before, you knew it was coming. We love you, Jared. We're sorry that we ripped into you a little bit. But anyways, let's move on to the last three teams. They all start with S. Bird. Southampton, Sheffield, or Spurs, Bird. and we have... I, I literally can't pick it. Once. Oh, it's on the line. Wow, it was on the line of Southampton and Sheffield. They gave it to Sheffield. Okay. That's good for me because I'm giving the Southampton review. So this guy, uh, I think his name is Ben from Sheffield, the Blades Pod. Yes. He gave us a review last year that we talk about to this day. Yeah, the most insightful review we It had. really was. So... I think you should listen to this review and not skip it. If you've made it this far, if you can hear the music in the background of the car playing outside my window, don't skip Ben's review because Sheffield United, one hell of a team, and Ben has some great insights on the overlapping center backs. So here's Ben. Hey guys, it's Ben from Blades Pod here, the Sheffield United podcast. I'm going to give you a quick rundown on Sheffield United and uh, and last season and a little look ahead to this season as well. So Sheffield United founded 1889. We are known as the Blades. That is based on uh, Sheffield's fame as uh, as a steel industry hub, I suppose, going back going back a couple of hundred years, I suppose. Um, we returned to the Premier League last season for the first time since uh, since 2007. So a 12-year absence. We came second in the championship the previous year, came up with uh, with Norwich and Aston Villa. And we were very comfortably the bookmakers' picks to finish right at the bottom of the league last season. And if you paid attention, that did not happen. We were actually very, very good. And for, for a little while there, it looked like we might actually be able to qualify for the Champions League, which... Is, is pretty insane to be honest, but that was genuinely going into sort of the last seven or eight games of the season within touching distance. We, we ended up finishing ninth. We did drop off a little bit. Obviously, um, COVID kind of interrupted the season, condensed the last part of the season we were playing. Um, I think at one stage we played like seven games in 24 days or something like that. We had a small squad that did take its toll in the end of that season. But yeah, we finished ninth. It was far, far higher than... I think most people would have expected us to do. And we really upset some of the big boys. You know, we took four points off Chelsea, four off Arsenal, four off Spurs, four off Wolves. We were really, really good to watch. Defended amazingly. I think only 
Only three other teams conceded less goals than we did last season and just generally gave pretty much every team we played a run for their money. Um, As for this season, it's quite an unusual situation for us where we did so well last season that I think most United fans would take a slight drop-off this year. It really is a season of consolidation. I mean, I think I would just like to see... uh, Obviously, I would like to see us stay well clear of relegation, which is what I expect us to do. But just a bit of um, a bit of improved performances in attack, I think. I mentioned our, our defence was phenomenal last season. But we were also one of the lowest scorers in the division. We, we're not a particularly creative side. We try and work a high-quality chance rather than shoot on sight like a lot of teams do. So that meant some of our games were quite low scoring. So that's an area for, for development this season, for sure. Um, in terms of players to watch out for this year, uh, we broke our transfer record again in... Um, in January, bring in uh, Norwegian international midfielder Sander Berger, who took a little while to settle in, as we as we kind of expected. But certainly in that post uh, post lockdown, when the season resumed, he was absolutely outstanding on the uh, on the right side of midfield. He's a very big fella. He's uh, like six foot three, very sort of uh, graceful footballer. Glides around the place, you know, good passer, good dribbler. We think he's going to really take a step forward this season and be very exciting to watch indeed. Um, in terms of prospects, we've invested in uh, in filling out the squad, which we absolutely need to, needed to do. Jaden Bogle is a right wing back who comes in from Derby. He's 20 years old, England youth international. Very exciting dribbler, fast attacking player. I think he'll fit into our system really, really well. Our, um, our number one right wing back last season, played every single minute and he was very good but I think it's important that we have some cover for him so Bogle is definitely one to watch out for um, another one is Ethan Ampadu is on loan for the season from Chelsea very highly rated young central defender he has the tools to to fit in nicely with what we do defensively which is is quite interesting what we do we get our defenders forward uh, and overload down the wing so he'll fit into that quite nicely I think um, in terms of why, if you know, if you're a, a newcomer to the Premier League or, or, or football generally, why why United should be the uh, the team for you to follow? I think we're one of the most tactically interesting teams in certainly in the Premier League, possibly in the whole country. I mean, we get compared quite a lot to Atalanta in uh, in, in Italy and Serie A, who also do a lot of interesting things tactically. The way that we play without the ball and with the ball is fascinating to watch. We you know we have this incredible uh, defensive intensity and tactical awareness, but the way we play with the ball is fascinating. We have um, Oliver Norwood playing almost this quarterback role, switching play from from left to right, pinging it all over the place from uh, from deep midfield. But the real thing is our, our wing backs play so high up the pitch; they're almost like uh, other attackers in the end. And then we we get our centre backs forward. We play three at the back. We have Jack O'Connell on the net, on the left, Chris Basham on the right. These two get into the opposition penalty area all the time. Basham just goes on these runs with the ball. He's, he had goals last season. He set up by backheeling these through balls to set up a goal. He was he was amazing. Uh, we're really, really interesting to watch. We're also managed by one of the best managers in the land, Chris Wilder, who is a former ball boy player. He is also a fan of Sheffield United as well. So he's leading his boyhood team. Uh, he's a very straight talker. He doesn't mess about. He's always good for a sound bite. Pretty much like uh, like Sheffield people generally. So he fits the club ethos very, very well indeed. And yeah, that's why you should uh, enjoy watching Sheffield United this season. All right, Ben. I love Ben. I love the Blades pod. I love what he brings every time he gives us a preview. Second year running, one of my favorite previews. 
Yeah, it like we said, it's informative. It really is. We, it's we, we so good. We always go back to the overlapping center backs. He brought it up again. The fact that they go forward, it, it's such a unique thing. It's almost hard to picture if you haven't seen it. And it gives you a reason to watch them. And like you said, they're so interesting to see how they play on the ball versus off the ball and how different it is in many ways. And they're a unique team. They're a very unique team. I think it was the reason that they had the, as you mentioned, you know, they were almost flirting with the Champions League at one point during the season. And I, I think a lot of that is because of their unique style of play that teams are just not used to. Yeah, and we've actually had one of our friends become a little bit yes. of a Premier League fan, and he's he's picked up on Sheffield. He loves the Blades. He loves Billy Sharp. <laughs> so a lot to be interested about when you talk about Sheffield United, but maybe something concerning to a fan who's uh, looking for a new team is the little amount of goals that they score. If you're looking mm-hmm. for a team that's very high scoring, Sheffield might not be for you. No. But if you're looking for one of the most sound tactical teams in the mm-hmm. league interesting yeah. uh exciting they'll make you think yeah sheffield united yeah absolutely i mean and that's the thing is they're exciting without scoring goals if yeah. you watch the game you would you'll understand it 100 percent. um one thing i do want to know something we should bring up in terms of a negative dean henderson is gone yeah um they spent quite a pretty penny on aaron ramsdale who i think is a very good goalie AFC bournemouth a, a good goalkeeper but and I think he is too, but he's not Dean Henderson. No. Or at least he hasn't he hasn't been at that level yet. Dean Henderson last season was sublime. He was phenomenal. One of the better keepers in the league, Dean Henderson, who's now at Manchester United. But Well, yeah, originally it was on loan. He yeah. he's a Manchester United player. He's gonna be there um in an interesting situation to see what happens with him and David De Gea this season. But I think Ramsdale is a very solid replacement. I think they Got him for a fair price. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's too bad. I, I won't say it's too bad because I, I want to keep Emiliano Martinez at Arsenal. But that would have been a, a pretty decent fit there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, it's a good signing. They, they solved the issue. I mean, they went they went out for the Ramsdale right away. But like I said, played close to, I believe, 20, what was it? Um, I have it here, actually. 22 and a half million. That's dollars. So Yeah. Uh, but a good, good price for him. Uh, 22 years old, young goalkeeper. Um, I, I just I, I wonder how that impacts them a little bit. Uh, I, I think they're just you talk about solid. They're solid while still being creative and interesting. Yeah. So I, I think, though, there you could do a lot worse if you're picking a team a lot worse than Sheffield. 100 percent. I, I think Sheffield would actually be one of the ones that I would recommend to someone who is new to the Premier League. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, a very strong team, hard nose, talk about gritty, will fight mm-hmm. you to the death for every point. The only thing is not a whole lot of goals being scored, yeah. but enough to get them to ninth place. Yes. So that's pretty damn and good. Most of the season higher than that. Yes. A lot of the know. season. I mean, they would have been a little bit higher, too, if uh, the goal line technology that kept Aston Villa in the league was a little bit better. Yes. But uh, anyways, thank you to Ben. Awesome preview as always. And Jimmy, we're down to two teams. We're down to Spurs and Southampton, a 50-50. Of course, because I guess Spurs every time. So it's, it made it so that they would never come up. You got it now. It's Spurs. <laughs> All right. That's good. We have James from the Who Kicked the Corner Flag podcast, a podcast that we've been on yes. and had a lot of fun on. Absolutely. Uh, we like James a bit. We love James and we love his podcast, Who Kicked the Corner Flag. So here is James with his Tottenham Hotspur preview. What's up, guys? James here, the host and producer of the Who Kicked the Corner Flag quiz show podcast. 
I'm here today to help out the guys from the Mostly Soccer podcast, talking about Spurs, Tottenham Hotspur, the team I cherish and love. I'm here today to give you guys a quick breakdown of how or what to expect from Spurs, I guess. So to start off with then, a quick history on the club, uh, founded in 1882. Uh, people tend to ask where the name Hotspur came from, and it came from the medieval knight Harry Hotspur. Again, there's a very deep, rich history there, but I won't go into too much detail there. But just to know, that's kind of where we took the name from. And Tottenham, of course, being an area in North London where the club is currently located and currently plays their fixtures. Uh, in terms of their performance last season, well... Uh, not great, not ideal. If I was to summarize Spurs' performances over the last few years, imagine it like a roller coaster that is on its ascent up to the highest point, the highest point theoretically being the Champions League final, and after that it's just been a big downhill drop. Uh, sad but true. The team has not done well since uh, since the Champions League final. Um, they haven't been able to collect as many wins, get as many points. We ended up sixth last season. Um, a lot, of course, has to be said about the transition of managers. We had a longtime coach, Mauricio Pochettino, get fired mid-season. And, of course, we brought in one of the most recognizable faces in football, in Jose Mourinho, who is still the coach this very day. So there we go. Again, thoughts there. <laughs> I won't share them right now, though. Uh, season outlook. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, a lot to be said with this whole coronavirus thing has derailed a lot of, you know, the typical training protocols and what players can expect and so on and so forth. And so the fact they're trying to push through these fixtures, obviously, we had so many to finish last season. This season's going to be really interesting to see how they can kind of bounce back. But uh, with players fit, that was a big issue again we had last season. Harry Kane fit, Son obviously fit. Um, I I think we're going to put up a slightly improved performance, but I still think there's going to be a lot left to uh, say to be desired. But there's going to be some holes still in this team, and obviously a big part of it is getting transfers in. And if you're one of those fans, you'll know the biggest frustration when it comes to transfers is how we don't get any. <laughs> um, Daniel Levy, the owner of the club, likes to keep his cards close to his chest, and he also likes to keep his cash in his back pocket. And so that is uh, one of the frustrations with following Spurs. Uh, what else we got here? Elevator pitch and why a newcomer would support your club. Um, very unpredictable. They don't buy their success. Uh, typically, Spurs like to really tease your emotions. They can have very high highs and very low lows. And if you're one of those fans who likes the thrill of the unexpected, then Tottenham is the team for you. Uh, I will say we do get ridiculed, especially from our local rivals, Arsenal, by the fact that we're yet to secure a trophy in our more recent history. Although we do have trophies, just not from recent memory. I would say that Spurs are on the brink of something special. And I always think I keep saying that, but I think that we are eventually going to get that silverware that we deserve, arguably, and just the case of uh, case of when, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, if I was to entice new fans to Spurs, I'd say that's certainly one element of it, is just the, the potential that the team has, the quality that the team has, strikers like Harry Kane and Son, and players who've just come in like Lakelso, they offer something that's very unique to Spurs, um, something that's very exciting, and it would be good to finally see all the pieces come together um, when that moment is. Who knows? But uh, the pieces are there. They just have to connect a little bit better, I think. One final thing to mention is that Tottenham Hotspur do have a brand new documentary right now that is on Amazon Prime. It is currently, I think it's an eight-episode season. They've dropped six episodes as I record. 
uh, a great way to get a true inside look at how the club is run. You get to see the interactions between coach and players. You get to see the owner's thoughts when he speaks to the manager. Definitely worth a watch, even if you're not a Spurs fan, just to kind of see the integral parts of how the club works, how they run their training, uh, the feelings, the emotions during the games, the halftime talks. If that doesn't entice you to be a Spurs fan, I don't know what will. But anyway, uh, so that's it from me. Again, thanks to the guys for reaching out to me. Happy to do this for them. On a final note, I will say that do be aware to all you new Premier League fans out there that Tottenham Hotspur are arch rivals with Mike's team, Arsenal. So if you're always looking for that exciting game, the North London Derby, which is offered twice a year or twice a season, is always one to get pretty excited about. So there you go. Hope this helps, guys. All right, James. I love James. Great guy, great name. Yeah. No, well, (laughs) uh, no, I love their podcast. I love his demeanor. He's always uh, very excitable, happy when we talk Mm -hmm. to him. And uh, a great preview for a terrible team. He does his best. He does his best to make Tottenham Hotspur sound interesting. I need to take this over. No, because they're a bad team. They don't win anything. Why would you ever support them? They wear ugly white jerseys that are not nearly as nice as Arsenal's away kit. They have some ugly-ass jerseys. Every year, some ugly-ass jerseys. (laughs) I do have to say that. I will agree with you there. They have a nasty man as a manager. They have a... Clearly, James has strong opinions about Jose Mourinho that he did not want to share. Love it. Jose is... uh, He's an interesting one. He's the special one. He's one of the greatest managers, of at least of the modern era, definitely. Maybe yeah. ever. He, he's, he's a perennial winner. He's accomplished things with multiple teams. Uh, and he, he is an all-time asshole. Yeah. He, he is one of the most <laughs> arrogant people. If, if Watching the Spurs documentary he talked about on Amazon, one of the most arrogant people there is. 100%. Generally, he seems like an okay guy. Like, talking like staff and stuff. I don't think he's... A, but he truly is someone who buys his own hype. He thinks 100%. very highly of himself. Um, and this Spurs team is an interesting team because there is exceptional talent on this team. 100%. Harry Kane, Youngman's son, you, Lu, Lu, Hugo <laughs> Lloris, Toby Alderweireld, like Steven Bergwijn, Steven Bergwijn, Lucas yeah, Moura. Dele Ali. Like... Well, let's, stop at Mor- Lucas, Tan- let's stop at Lucas Moore and not hit Dali Ali. But, but the, you know what I mean? There are <laughs> yeah. there really are elite talent on this team. Definitely. Uh, Harry Kane, who on his day is up there as the best striker in the world. He's he's in the conversation when he's on his game and he's healthy. I mean, Youngman's son, we've seen change games routinely. They they are a really good team. They're in. They were very inconsistent last year. It just looked like it wasn't clicking, and it kind of. It just didn't work. It was over for Pochettino. Pochettino, who I think is one of the best managers in the world, definitely. Um, Shakti has not found the club yet. I think that's intentional. I think he has something lined up. What it is, I don't know. Um, I'm very interested to see what it is, but he's going to end up somewhere. But this is a very good team. It's can Jose get them back on track? And he kind of a little bit did last season. Dealt with some injuries. I mean, there was a point when they were going out. They were ravaged no by attacker. injuries. They they weren't just a little bit hurt, but they were yeah, ravaged. It was Lucas him. Moore and that was it. Yeah. Kane was out. Son was out. Yeah. Bergwijn was out. They they were completely depleted. Um, they've signed a couple players. They brought in Hoiberg, who is a... Center back from you know, He's a midfielder, but he is a... Um, talk about a feisty player. He's got a he's got a mean streak in him. 
He's a player with a mean streak. He's solid. Uh, Matt Dougherty's a player I actually really like. Yes, yeah, um, big Arsenal fan actually. <laughs> yeah, he, he he's a good player. I think he's gonna he's gonna do well there. And most importantly, Michael, they brought in a perennial winner, multiple Premier League champion, Gold Glove winner. Oh, stop, stop! You had me Joe confused. Hart. No, <laughs> terrible, useless signing. They wasted money on Joe Hart. Nah, he's he's good. They could have put you as the backup goalkeeper. You would have sufficed. I he's mean, very mean. Listen, to a former champion. If I'm giving my unbiased opinion on Tottenham Hotspur, I will say that they are one of the more talented teams in the Premier League, 100%. They can beat anyone on any given day, 100%. They will lose to anyone on any given day, and they do. They are the picture of inconsistency. You talk about high highs and low lows. I mean, they are on par with their nemesis arsenal for that. But Tottenham Hotspur, I think, are more disappointing because they don't win anything. And I mean, this is why they brought in Jose Mourinho, right? A man Mm -hmm. so divisive because he's a serial winner. Wherever he has gone, he's won a trophy. And Tottenham Hotspur, desperate for a trophy. James is right when he says that they are on the brink of success. But I think they've been on the brink of success for four or five years now. And they missed their golden opportunity with Mauricio Pochettino. Uh, I, I think that's accurate. I just think when I look at this team and I look at the players, like we didn't even bring up Sissoko. We a fantastic player. We didn't bring Who's up also hurt. So, Like, you know what I mean? Tengai and Dumbele, who has not had a is good leaving run the club. And may leave, but generally is one of the more talented young midfielders in the world. Um, They're not Sanchez, devoid of talent. Like, there's talent there. Talent is across the board. Definitely. It's just getting it to gel. And, and Pochettino got it to gel specifically in that Champions League run. And it's going to be interesting to see if uh, if Jose can do that. I would tell him it would probably help if he stopped playing Eric Dyer every game. Just because the guy can uh, speak Portuguese doesn't mean you have to play him every game, Jose. If, if Actually, if you're a new fan, Spurs might be a good shout because they do have the documentary. Mm-hmm. But it actually might turn you off because Jose Mourinho, is he's hilarious to an outsider looking mm-hmm. in who knows Jose. Yeah. But I think if you were just looking at this man, and his demeanor and his attitude towards people sometimes, you'd say, oh, my God, he's a sociopath. Yeah. Which he is. He is. He and is. L- lives for Eric Dyer, one of the worst players on that Spurs roster. Lives for him. Lives for him. Makes well, no sense. Yeah. yeah, he does. Will die on the Eric Dyer hill. <laughs> it's insane. Die for Dyer. He will die for Dyer. That may actually be the end of Jose. Let's, let's remember that we said Jose Mourinho will die, die for, for Eric Dyer. Dyer. I do want one last thing with Spurs. I do want to see something from Ryan Sesson Young this season. Yeah, they signed him last year. Uh, one of this the is a player. I mean, prior to his first season in the Premier League with Fulham two years ago, um, this is a guy we were talking about as like one of the top, top, top talents in the world. Not just in England, in the world. Like young left back can play left mid. Has all this talent. Had made how many appearances? Like a hundred appearances by the time he was like nineteen or eighteen. He was 18. I think he had already played like 100 games. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, I, I hope we see him play more this season. I think we will. I, I just want to see what he has to offer. I, I, don't, I don't want this to be somebody who ends up being like whatever happened to Ryan Sinsignon. Yeah. And again, Spurs have all the talent in the world. They have the manager. They have the stadium. They're becoming uh, the status. They're, they're basically right there with the bigger clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just need to win something. Tottenham Hotspur need to win something. If you want to potentially 
bask in the glory of Tottenham over the next few years, now might be a good time to join. If you want to be ridiculed and embarrassed by your club, now might also be a good time to join. You never know. Uh, but anyways, Jimmy, uh, a great preview from James again. Thank you. Who kicked the corner flag podcast. And the last review will come from yours truly. Yes. Southampton FC. You know I love Southampton, Jimmy. So I'm going to give it to you hard and fast. Southampton Football Club is an English football club based in Southampton, Hampshire, England, which plays in the Premier League. Are you selling a drug? Is that no, like a drug no, addict? Like at the bottom no. of these, they give you the following symptoms. No. <laughs> Their home ground has been St. Mary's Stadium, prior to which they were based at the Dell. Their manager is Ralph Hassenhuddle. That's the Wikipedia definition. The Hassenhuddle. My definition of Southampton. Southampton are a fun team to watch. They have the Hassenhuddle, one of the great minds in managerial positions in the Premier League. And they have the best striker in England. Oh, okay. Danny Ings. Danny Yangs, the king. king Danny Yangs, replaced Glenn Murray as our king. He is, Um, rightfully so. (laughs) And I cannot wait. I don't want to distract this, but I cannot wait till next episode when we give our preview, so that we can pick somebody that we bash, because that person will then become the greatest striker in the league. One hundred percent. We bashed Danny Yangs all of last season to start, and he went off and became He, he. Almost won the Golden Boot. Yep. He was so damn close. Yep. He uh, he had an insane year. But uh, last year, Southampton finished 11th, 52 points. Uh, an amazing finish for a team that just last year was battling relegation. Uh, Ralph Hassenhuddle has come in, and I think it's fair to say that he's transformed the club. They've become, uh, I like to call them baby Liverpool. They're not at that level of excitement goal scoring or organization. Do you realize also calling Southampton baby Liverpool is like a painful one for Southampton? Right, because they sell all their best players to <laughs> Liverpool. Um, so I think it's a fair comparison. I mean, they play kind of a similar style, or at least they try to. They try and press teams, and they try and get in your face and kind of close down that space. So Southampton play an interesting style. They have a very animated uh, very tactically sound coach in Ralph Hassenhuddle, who's one of my favorite in the league. I uh, think he should have gotten the Spurs job. I think that would have been a, a great signing for Spurs. But um, players to be excited about for Southampton, when I think of Southampton, I think of the classic James Ward Prowse. I think of Danny Ings. I don't know Nathan Redmond, a little too inconsistent for me, but a player who's always important for them. So... I'm not sure how I feel about Southampton going into the season. I think they are a positive team to get on board with now because they're trending in the right direction under Hassan Huddle. Yeah, I agree with that. I um, I think we saw also Shea Adams come into his own after scoring from like 50 yards out against City, and then he was actually able to score goals after he had not all season previously. Um, I think he'll be helpful this season. Uh, I do want to say... One thing I definitely know of someone who will not score goals is DeGenepo, who <laughs> was put on one of the worst displays of goal scoring in the game against Arsenal last year. I remember that. Missed from inside the net multiple, multiple times. Multiple times. Yeah. Literally impressively bad. <laughs> uh, but they are a good team. A lot of solid players. We talked about, um, well, we off the air talked about Kyle Walker-Peters, who featured prominently in the Spurs documentary for a few episodes, right. is now there. Um, they've got just a, a really solid team. But they did lose some players, Michael. 
Yeah, I, I mean, think one of their most important too in uh Hoybier. Yeah. It, it it I think it could impact them, but like you said, they've they've built this whole club around Hasanano and his whole style of play, top to bottom through youth levels. They yeah. they believe in him. And rightfully so, because he is a fantastic manager. But the thing about Southampton is no matter how many players they sell to big clubs, it just doesn't matter because they'll stay up. Want to talk about omnipresent? Bring that back from the beginning of the episode. Southampton. Yeah. They are always great academy. Definitely. They develop players like none other. They are a selling club for sure, though. They are. They never, at least in my time being a fan of the Premier League, they haven't taken that step. So. No, but they, they're, they're here. I like you said omnipresent. They're here. They're 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 here. They're at the party. That matters though. For a club like Southampton, that that matters. They're there. They're consistently there. They have good players. They have a very good manager. It's just, just, just top to bottom, well organized, well developed throughout. If you are someone who likes order, if you are someone who likes determination and underdog, if you like the colors red and white, if you like St. Mary's as a name of your stadium. Southampton is your you club. Like Danny Ings. Yeah. You like goals. Do you like goals? <laughs> Southampton are one of the mid-table teams that will score a lot of goals every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. They're exciting to watch, at least. Yeah, yeah. I, I like them. I want to see if Danny Ings. They might lose nine nothing. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that does happen <laughs> sometimes. I do want to see if Danny Ings can go back to back. Can he? Can he like? Can he do it again? Can he keep the goal scoring? He's healthy now. Um, we saw that that could have been the reason why it didn't work for him. I mean, this is a player who, you know, did move to Liverpool. Yeah. Was brought there to, you know, people thought he was going to be a really good signing for them at the time. Had the injuries. Ended up at Southampton. Uh, we could see this could be Danny Egg. He could be this good. I hope he is. We shall see. Remains to be seen if he can keep it up. Uh, hopefully Southampton can, can keep it up, though. And uh, hopefully we I've convinced a few people to, to join the Southampton uh, bandwagon. But anyways, Jimmy, I think that concludes our 20-team Premier League preview. We did it. We did it because of the guests. They did all the work. They did. We've heard so many different ways to preview a team. We got very, very, very sad. <laughs> We've got way out there with inappropriate <laughs> jokes. We've had people who were just perfectly spot on and gave you really details. And people who were just genuinely excited about their team and at the same time genuinely terrified yeah just all the 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 fun and enjoyment of supporting a friendly team you saw it all 100 percent. and uh again a special thank you to everyone who participated we genuinely appreciate it and uh we hope to speak to some people soon throughout the season and uh get these insights on the podcast more often. i want to stay connected with these people and i want to say thank you too to you michael you've done a lot of the work to pull all of this together thank you credit where credit is due oh yeah um but yeah everybody i I hope we can stay connected with them kind of go through the season and you know be a little more interactive with the different people jimmy i know we are so late in the podcast that it doesn't matter and we should close it but we have games tomorrow do you I was I knew you were gonna do it. I, I just wanna it. do it just to be consistent, just because I wanna I wanna get the taste of the season back, okay. Jimmy. I let's mean, go. I got the games right here. Don't you worry. No one's it. listening to this. Let's do it. Let's do it. First up we have Fulham and Arsenal. Who is your pick? Everything in me wants me to pick Fulham, but I can't do it. Two one Arsenal. Four one Arsenal. 
Pierre Emerick Aubameyang hat trick, Bakayo Saka goal, four one Arsenal. By the way, I almost wanted to come on here and just bash you for your terrible anti Sergio Aguero takes on Twitter the other day. But listen, Gavin came at me. Gavin, rightfully so. Gavin, you a defender of the people. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, best striker in the league. Crystal Palace versus Southampton. I'm going to Crystal Palace two one. This is a one one draw to start the season. the season. And then we have Liverpool versus Leeds at 12.30. I'm doing it. No. The God. No. The Messiah. <laughs> Bielsa. Two. Nil. Leeds. No, you're off script. Two. Two nil. <laughs> uh, three one Liverpool. Two nil Leeds. Jimmy, it just can't happen. Wild, wacky. Bielsa ball. Two All right. Nil. All right. Three one Liverpool. West Ham versus Newcastle. I uh, I share the fear that the new that the West Ham fans have. I'm gonna go a three one Newcastle victory. I'll follow you on that three one Newcastle and a goal from new signing Callum Wilson for Newcastle as well. And then on Sunday we have West Brom versus Leicester. I'm gonna go one nil Leicester City. Yeah, I'll, I'll go two nothing Leicester. I think they'll beat them, but I don't think it'll be as convincing as we'd like. And then uh, on Sunday we have a really good one. Eleven thirty Spurs versus Everton. This screams to me 2-2 draw. Yeah, this is going to be a a tough game to start the season, but I think a 2-2 draw is fair. I'll follow you on that. And then, do we have to go to Monday for the next yeah, round we do of games? There's two Monday games. No, oh. still the same. Yeah, two Monday games. Where are they? I can tell you. It's Sheffield at 1 o'clock on Monday versus Wolves at Bramall Lane. 1-1 draw. Sheffield continue to just grind people down. I'm going to go 1-0 Wolves in this one. Uh, I, I think uh, they've managed so far to keep Raul Jimenez. I think he uh, scores a goal in this one. All right. And then uh, I do see them now. We have Brighton versus Chelsea. Yes. What do you got? I'm going to – I Chelsea now – Chelsea have a lot of players who actually can't play in this game due to, like, the uh, quarantine restrictions of players returning and everything. But I'm still going to go a – 2-1 Chelsea victory. Mm, they have a lot of new players that are going to be playing. And then where in the world are Manchester City? Manchester City, Manchester United are not playing this week because of their quote-unquote runs in the Champions League and Europa League. So their fixtures will actually be played at a later date. They've been given an extra week off. Wow. So that's all the games right there then. Yes. That's interesting. All right. And whoever they're playing against, obviously, as well. Interesting. So, <laughs> Did we miss teams? No. We missed Villa. So it's Villa. Burnley. And it's, and it's Burnley are the two teams that they would be playing against. Wow. That's disappointing for those yep. those four clubs. You don't get to watch your team uh, week one. But uh, anyways, Jimmy, glad to be back. Glad to be giving predictions again. I'm happy that we got through the 20 teams. And uh, again, just a thank you to everyone. And Jimmy, before we go, do you want to hit him with the plug? Yes, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Soccer Mostly. Email us, mostlysoccershow, gmail.com. Special thanks to everybody. Interact with them. Follow their Twitters, their websites, their YouTubes, whatever they may have. Go check them out. Listen to their podcast. Do what you can for them. Support them. Thanks, everybody, again. Yes, and uh, five-star reviews, please. We will see you next week.